Thank you for downloading the RJ Young Show podcast. Please rate and review it. Leave five stars, and if you leave a question, I'll try to get to it. Today, as you can see from the headline, uh, we're going to talk about the old guard, and I watched this with my girlfriend, Laurel. Hey, babe. What up? And I asked her to join me here because, well, it came out on Friday. This is going up on a Monday, and yes, spoilers, but the first question I think we need to answer is, would we recommend this movie to someone else, and what kind of a person would we recommend it to? So, babe, I want you to go first. Um, I would recommend it to um, to all females and most males. So that's a lot of the population. I think like older generations might be turned off by some of the violence, um, but. I thought the story was really good. Uh, and do you need me to get, be like more interesting than that right now? I mean, not necessarily more interesting, but it feels like you're trying to hold back. Um. So, I love. Can we just jump right in with the spoiler yeah, stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So I love supernatural stuff. I love. Um, I love X Men. I love superhero stuff. So I love. Um, anything that deals with people who have like extraordinary abilities that they have to hide. Um, because not, not that I'm any kind of superhero or X woman. Thanks for (laughs) for pointing that out. But but I, but I got to put that down in the notebook next time that we have an argument. You are not (laughs) an X person and you are not a superhero check. (laughs) Um, but I, but I do feel like, we've all been in situations where either we, we have fantasized about having a superpower or we feel like we have to kind of damp down something that is special about us. So other people don't feel threatened or so other people, you know, don't hate us. Um, because we got it like that. Hmm. And so that's the part that appeals to me at first. And then, then I got pulled into the other story. On the other stories. Well, I mean, let's stick with the stuff that appeals to you. Um, I thought there were interesting aspects to this movie that I would also recommend. And one of them being the premise that immortality is a bad thing. That is a yes. thing, that it That it is a thing that no one should aspire to. Because that seems to be central to this to this argument that the story is telling us. Hey, not everybody that lives forever wants to live forever. As a matter of fact, none of them want to live forever. And they're all slowly aching to be put out of their misery. Um, And I thought that that was an interesting place to begin the story and a premise for which remains unchallenged throughout it. I thought that was really interesting because it, it responds as an absolute. Did you, do we see any immortals or any folks that live forever, or not, they don't live forever, they die. They just don't know that they're going to die, and they die several centuries later. Knowing that, do you agree with that as a premise, as a good place to to begin jumping off the story? I do. I mean, I, well, and I think, um, well, there's two things I want to say about it. One, it it um, it's familiar to me in that I've, 
was a vampire fiction junkie too. And that's a very common thread of, you know, the, the, the vampire, everybody thinks, Oh, vampires are so cool and they're so sexy and they live forever and they're, you know, whatever they can do what they want. Um, but then when you get to know the vampires themselves, if you will, they're all, they're all in agony. Um, with how much life they've seen and how much death they've seen and, you know, had to keep going. They're always the ones left behind. And so most of them don't connect anymore um, to people who are not like them. And that's, I really enjoyed the little band of this team, Andy's team of, I mean, I guess they're mercenaries. It, it, it doesn't really say who pays them or what motivates them specifically just that she leads them and I really and she's the oldest and they just they always called her boss because she's the oldest and that they're linked in their dreams because they share this ability and they share um, this understanding of you know feeling like they are the ones who can right a lot of the wrongs um so it's and it points to another um, sort of whatever the word is that I also am really really fond of that that crops up in any story and that is be careful what you wish for or that everything's a package deal. Um, Catch twenty two. Yeah, yeah, like like everything cool that comes with it is cool, but there's stuff that makes it really suck too, and that's part of living. 10 years or a hundred years or a hundred lifetimes. It's, it's what this planet is about is good and the bad. You're always going to have to deal with the good and the bad. But are you going to have to deal with more bad than good? Bad, I think uh, is, is worth discussing as well. Well, and I think that was depending on, um, what, what you choose to focus on. And I kind of got a kick out of the gay couple that was that way. They were the ones who um, sort of had an ability to still inspire each other. And, um, you know, they hadn't succumbed to the the gloominess of their um, plight. (laughs) And so they had an ability to still enjoy life as, as weird and as isolating as it was. Um, the others not so much especially the one at the bottom of the ocean mm. and why didn't she go after her did it say that did I miss that it it did not um, and there, where to go to because she's put into a locked box to drown that is designed to sink to the bottom of the ocean so let's assume she go after her let's assume she gets out of her chains in the whatever century that was, it looked like medieval times. There is no scuba diving here. So where's she going to go? Like, she's going to go to the bottom of the ocean to scavenge? With what? The assumption that she's dead is not necessarily inaccurate. We only know that by the end of the movie, to which I have downloaded the books, and I think I'm going to churn through those here pretty quickly. Well, and the and the sequel, the, what people are wanting to become the sequel to the movie just came out like his second 
no, graphic novel. I think I think that comes out in September. Oh, fairly certain. Is it, is it the second series then? I so think, like the I first think, one is yeah. a trilogy of trilogies. Right. I got to do a little bit more eating on that because I don't want to speak out of turn there. But uh, okay, as I understand it, that you know this was all his publisher and, and the movie are working in concert, which is the smart thing to do because that was one of the things that I really enjoyed is Greg Rucka, who wrote the books that Old Guard is and that the movie is based on, also wrote the screenplay. So there's nothing that gets lost in translation that he doesn't know how to help uh, Gina Blythe, Prince... Uh, right, that he's not okay with, Prince Blythe, Prince Blythewood, talk through. He's not okay with what? Oh, that nothing would make it into the screenplay that's different from the books that he wasn't okay with, that he wasn't yeah. like, this doesn't take anything or compromise right. it too much. Because so one of the things that, oh, go ahead. Oh, I just, go ahead. I was going to change the subject, so you were going to change the subject. Go ahead. Well, no, I was going to go back to our friend at the bottom of the ocean. Mm. And is it is it Quinn or Queen? I thought it was Quinn. Quinn. Um, so the the second that the their newest edition and I forgot her name too the um the actor's name is Kiki Nile um, Nile thank you um like the second she had her first psychic dream about Quinn and that was the reveal of Quinn's character and story right I was really bummed out that that didn't become their new mission if we know she's alive, we wouldn't be getting, I mean, we wouldn't be getting psychic vibes from her right now if she was dead. So we, ha we have to find her now. Well, not necessarily. I mean, I, think I know, I know. And then, the, and then we wouldn't be set up so beautifully for the sequel. Well, we? <laughs> no, that, I mean, that's not where I'm going, right? Where I'm oh. going is we have no data to support that. Uh, just because you have these dreams that that person is alive. We only have Nile as support for that. And we have her dreaming about Quinn, but we don't have them dreaming about Quinn. They dreamed about Niall. We know that. We know that all of them dreamed about her. We know that she's the only person that dreamed about Quinn. I find that to be interesting because either one, Quinn's channeling herself to someone who knows nothing of her story and is learning about her story secondhand. Uh, and two, it, it, it doesn't prove anything, right? So, like, if we're doing the math there, that's all I'm saying. If we're doing the math on it, we can't prove that a vision means someone's alive. We can only prove that a vision <laughs> leads to them talking about that person and that person becomes a part of the story. And I think that the way that this moves, and this is one of the things I'm always fascinated with with comic books, is comic books move so fast, right? The, the narrative of panels is so quick. And it, mm -hmm. and it goes plot to plot to plot to plot to plot. So much so that it can feel like you're consuming the equivalent of three movies in one volume of books, right? Or even in one book because it is built on a process of plot as, as the point. Plot is the point. Move the story forward is the point. And when they don't do that well, it's circular and it fades out because you can tell that the writers have come out of uh, gone out of ideas. But writers of comic books are tremendously good storytellers, which is one of the reasons why I believe that so many comic books do well once somebody knows how to tell their stories. And we learned that with Marvel, right? And Marvel has led to this idea that, cool, now we know how to do comic books. And the Old Guard is an, ex an example of that, right? Because I think that if the Old Guard was made 20 years ago, it would suck. I don't think we would like it. 
the, I think the first one actually to make this work was Blade. Blade yeah. worked. Blade worked, right? And I think Blade is actually the first Marvel movie ever from like from a Marvel Entertainment, Marvel Studios standpoint. But it also moves very fast, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And I wanted to, to talk about the pacing of this story because pacing is very important to me. Like uh, my fiction reads very fast and the fiction that I like reads very fast and mm-hmm. can consume so much. Like I'm an Elmore Leonard fanboy, you know this. I bring that up to point out that in the middle of the book, he will introduce a brand new character and a brand new subplot because it's moving that fast and you can accommodate that. Did you think that this movie or was moving terribly fast or moving very slow or what did you think? Um, so, I mean, I didn't think it moved too fast. There, um, there were, I think the villain could have been developed a little better. Um, and I think, um, the reason for the betrayal could have been more, more nuanced and more complex to, to just kind of not be like, Oh, well we have to have a conflict, you know? So like that, that's why that happened. And maybe I need to watch it again. Or maybe if I read it, when I read it, it'll, it'll fill in with me. But I, I remember feeling like the, the quote unquote bad guys, um, were more like orcs to me in uh, Lord of the Rings where I'm like, okay, what's his motivation? Cause if, if you're really just a greedy bastard and if Booker's really just, you know, just wants money and he feels left out, that, is that enough? I don't is that think, enough to I, do what they're doing? I didn't, I just didn't buy it as much. I mean, it didn't keep me from enjoying it, but the, that's the only place I felt like it could have, could have done better but i'm always hardest on the villains because i i'm into villains so you're you're saying that booker's a villain um he he supported the villain no the villain is merrick the the big pharma guy right obviously the little weasley white dude yeah comic books do a great job with villains there's there's no there is no uh gray area in many cases right you you know thanos is the bad guy even as there's you can you can kind of hear his argument some people hear his argument i say no not everybody's opinion needs to be heard and we're pretty good about sussing that out for the most part but i don't you know my favorite oh go ahead sorry i was gonna say i don't agree with uh booker being anything like a villain i think booker's depressed and he wants to die he wants to find a way to die and I, I thought that it, when we investigate that emotion from the standpoint of depression, it makes all the sense in the world. Did he go about it the wrong way? Absolutely, right? We know that. But I thought that that was a good commentary on how it feels to be depressed. You are in a cold bathtub with no water, and you want to leave, but you can't. So he's found what he thought was an escape hatch. He thought that this was a good way to go. And we know that People have, have ended their lives looking not, not, to, not, not to leave, but to end suffering. And that's what he wanted. He wanted to end suffering for all of them. So his, his impulse uh, was one that I think is human. How he acted on that impulse is, is wrong. I don't know that that makes him a villain.
So understanding someone's motivation <laughs> um, oh, it helps. I think um, I think selling out his friends, selling out the only family he had. And and what evidence was there to support that that would work? No, uh, it's it's cowardly. It's cowardly, um, and cowards frequently are villains. I just thought that this was a really good way to uh, introduce that concept because I I spend a lot of time not necessarily thinking about does this plot work because I'm pretty pretty hard on plot. I spend a lot of time thinking about how did they get to this right. I could totally see him looking at that and seeing a way out as opposed to anything else. You know, like I'm going to read a bunch about Booker and I'm going to read these books, but I really wonder how many of them committed suicide. Or how many times did yeah, they? Yes. <laughs> like Groundhog Day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you know, and we're thrust into Niall's story, which is very much, I don't want to leave my life. I like my life. Yep. We're not thrust into the part of the story where she's hundreds of years old. And is, yeah, I Go ahead. I want to know about the rest of the family and when their when their immortality developed or when it was revealed to them that they that they had to leave their life and that they weren't going to be like anybody else now. You know, like if it just showed up in their 20s mm-hmm. for her like like it did for her. Like I'd love to see those origins. Yeah. Even um, way and back I th- for... And I think that... I think Rucka gives that to you because I, this that's how you set up the, the book, right? You set up the book to be a slow reveal of all of these mysteries, which, you know, I... I some I, Not sometimes. I, all the time, uh, am slightly annoyed when you're like, so, baby, they're going to answer that question? I'm like, yeah, I think so, right? But I also... I'm looking at it from the standpoint of somebody who wrote the thing, not somebody who's consuming the thing. And I need to remember that because I just take for granted that the the writing tropes will be there to support the story that they're telling because first rule of telling uh, a story, first rule of fiction, save the good stuff for the end. <laughs> yep. You know, um, and I don't Which, mean to, Oh my God, how can you possibly love me? Because I'm like, does it, does he die? Does he step on a landmine? Right, right. Tell me. And then, and, and then, you're like, bitch. <laughs> and then you're content. Then you're content to know the information. Like you're like, I'm fine with the spoiler. Just tell me. And you, you know, I applaud you for being fine with it because anybody else that would be told that thing is like, why didn't you tell me? You're never that way. You're always like, no, nah, I just want to know. I can't deal with the suspense of this. I can't deal with the uh, uncertainty, which I, I know you can now. Now I know you can understand when I'm like, no, I got to know. Whenever we're yeah, arguing absolutely. about something else, like I'm like, no, not leaving until I get an answer. <laughs> But that's funny because when, and that brings me back to your first question to me about pacing. Did I think it was too fast paced? And I have to say, I have never, ever thought anything was too fast paced with regarding um, things happening and getting to the resolution and even finding more conflict. You know, like I, like I've never been like, whoa, slow down. Um, With the exception of character development. And uh, if you have a sloppy villain. Well, and character development is all about time and, and circumstance you know like yeah i i've I looked at tiktok here just to consume it to see what people are looking at and look at how these these stories are being told and jokes are stories but the character development is superb and it's very quick yeah and, and that's really inspiring to see 
So it's, it really is timing and how much do you know about your character so that you tell everybody what they need to know to get to the end of the story and feel like you told them a good story. That doesn't mean that you told them everything about the character. And it's good that people want to know more about the character because that means you're doing yep. your job, right? Um, at yep, least like for part two. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, because that's chapter fiction, you know, like yep. I'm, yep, I'm yep. here for that. And I love that stuff. Uh, I want to tell those stories. I do tell those stories. Just nobody wants to buy them from me. Oh, stop. Eh, I, I, get, I get to have that. I get to have that. Uh, anyway. To, well, to, you, we haven't put Lincoln out there yet. No. Uh, so. No. But now I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to I'm gonna have these Dave Chappelle tapes uh, at one point. Maybe like... I mean, I got these. <laughs> He's been on the shelf <laughs> for some time. Here's the audio. Here's the screenplay. Here's the prose. Give me a Give nice... me money. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and go away. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, um, to pick this story back up. Yes. Uh, one of the things that I found to be interesting was uh, how Rucka positioned gender and how he positioned race. Now, I got to, again, I have to read the books, but I got into this because of casting. And casting can do a lot for selling your story, but then your story has to be good. So if you got Charlize Theron and Chuyatel Etuafor in the same movie, I'm going to show up. I don't care what the movie's about. I'm going to show up because both of those people are very, very good at what they do. But positioning, you know, like I'm, you know this, I love strong female protagonists. Yeah. I, I enjoy them greatly. So knowing that that is your linchpin, that is your anchor, I'm in on that. And then knowing that Copley, who is your guy in the chair, or becomes your guy in the chair, is a black man, I'm in on that too, right? I'm also in on this discussion of uh, same-sex partnership, which I thought was mm -hmm. really fascinating uh, and also brilliant. And I'm in on this discussion of the next person being a black woman and not necessarily a black man or uh, Asian man. Because we learn mm -hmm. later that Quinn is uh, an Asian woman. We don't know where she's mm -hmm. from yet. And the idea that the bad people, for the most part, are rich white guys. To which there's going to be a group of people going to be like, why do bad guys always got to be rich white guys? Because they usually are. Because they're <laughs> usually in the positions of power. Uh-huh. And watching him navigate that without actually calling surface attention to it, I thought was also brilliant because you want it to be a crucial part of the story. And it turns out we're still in an age where just the casting or just that this person is a white woman and not a white man, that this person is a black woman and not a white man, is, <laughs> you yeah. know, is, is worthwhile. And I thought that that was interesting. I didn't know what you thought about that or if it even crossed your desk. Um, uh, of course, I'm always here for it. Um, and, and I agree that it's, um, it was brilliantly done um, so that you didn't feel like your nose was being rubbed in it, you know? Um, and even though I'm someone who's like diversity, yes, rub my nose in it. I'm all, I'm all about it. But, the thing that um, I was kind of tripping on for a second, and then it, it resolved 
beautifully at the end, and I was so, so relieved, um, was that there wasn't very much that was feminine about our strong lead. She, she was completely seemed to be completely detached emotionally. She was very robotic in her killing in her responses, even in her, even in her quote unquote raising up of Niall who, uh, who's pushing against her. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until the end when she has the capacity to sort of pardon Booker in, in, in a way, um, that I was like, okay, that's a mom. That's a hard, um, really smart, tired mom. (laughs) And she doesn't, she knows when one of her kids is in torment. Um, there has to be a consequence, but, um, it was hard for me to, um, but I also like that too. I mean, I like it when, when women are strong and they're badasses and they can fight better than the boys. I, I mean, I've, I always like that, but, um, I wanted her to be tender at times because that's the hardest kind of strength. That's the hardest way to be strong. I and I wanted, and when I wanted her to go get Quinn at the bottom of the ocean, it was kind of like I wanted her to be like Ripley and Alien, you know, going going after Newt down fifty levels into hell, you know, to to save one of her kiddos. Which is if, you know, I I always want to identify with the 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 strongest, baddest women being moms because I am a mom, but not just because I'm a mom, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I, and I, I know that we want to see ourselves reflected, and I think we also would like to see the good parts of ourselves reflected. But more than that, we want to see the stuff that we can't do reflected. And well, and I want to see women in charge and women in power, not because they're like men, but because they're like themselves. You know, and, and I, and I, it's really hard to see. I don't, <laughs> I have never seen it in any job, in any corporation or organization I've worked in or, or witnessed. The women at the top um, are at the top because they emulate men. Uh, to tear down the patriarchy is to tear down everything. And to tear down everything is to start from scratch. And to start, start from scratch is to start equally. And you're not necessarily more likely to see women climb to the top of the pyramid if we tear down everything either so i just that unless they start their own i mean i don't i don't totally accept that either and then you know and then we're separate i don't think we need are we i'm not talking about starting our own world i'm talking about in 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 like companies and families and yes communities well and that's that's getting into a conversation about tribal nature and, and our way is better i mean the reason I, I have an issue with that is at the bottom of it, you're putting yourself up as, hey, this works for us. You should come join us and you're selling what you're doing where somebody else might be selling something else. What happens if 
what happens if people don't buy in the way you're doing things? Does that become a indictment of women or does that come an indictment of you simply trying something that didn't work? Right. Or too many people buy into it too fast and then you get burned at stake. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Or, or you get consumed by the thing that you created. Facebook. Yeah. You know, I, I think about those things quite a bit. I mean, I'm, I, I, I believe in balance. I love balance. Um, I also like upsetting equilibrium to make a better balance, but, but everything has, uh, as we are seeing in old guard, you know, pros and cons and there's good and bad to all of it. Um, what else did you want to talk about? Um, I'd like to know what you thought about Andromeda the Scythian. I, I didn't have a problem with her. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed her. I thought that she was the perfect amount of nurturing and the perfect amount of uh, boss and leader. She apologized when she made a mistake. Uh, she always saw her people as her people. She's the person at the table. Hang who, on, who'd she, who'd she apologize to? Niall. Oh, after the airplane thing? No, uh, on the bed when she's strapped to the gurney. Oh, okay. I might have forgotten that moment. Because you know, Niall said you said whatever it takes. Well, whatever it takes. Yeah. And she's also the most contemplative of the quintet. She's the person shooting down people's ideas. She's the person going, I don't think this is a thing we should be doing. And, you know, Booger's like, I checked it out. He looked fine. And the, uh, Joe and uh, Nikki are like, yeah, we need to do this. We yeah. haven't worked in a year. And against her better judgment, which turns out to be correct, they take on the job. And when it goes wrong, she doesn't blame them. She says, no, the plan is go find him. I will go find her. She's not very happy about doing any of this, but she also knows that her people are her people. For me, that's, that's not even patriarchy. That's just leadership. Like, yeah. I, I strive for that. Like, I, I'm frequently the person who is looking at other people's ideas and not wanting to revel in any kind of letting them down or telling their ideas bad. It's just like, nah, I've thought about that. I don't think that works. You just don't want to do it. No, that's not true. Find another way, you know, or, or <laughs> th- this ain't for us. You know, like, I, am, I am in charge for a reason. You trust me for a reason. And what I liked about their group is, you know, this is time and you get to play with this if you're Rucka. They've been together for so long that nothing is going to really tear them apart. Even when they have a seismic event like Booker betraying them, they say, we'll see you in 100 years. Yep. You know, it's not. Yep. Which, in, which implies that it's not the first time one of them has turned on the others or it implies uh that human beings don't have to be as vindictive as we can be especially given given eternity that we don't actually want to be apart from each other forever i hate you never speak to me again they, they put, ring ring. Yeah, no, no, they, no. They, they put a number on it, though, right? They put a number on it. Yeah. For, oh yeah. For for Eternals, they put a number on it. A hundred. 
And he was like, what do you say? I, I wish for shorter, but I expect it longer, which is, means it's right where it needs to be. Yeah, which means it's a... And none of them seem to be, like, shocked and, like, you know, emotionally wounded by it. They were just, they were just bummed. Yeah. Which is the sign of a rational human being. Um, I want to end on, on this topic, though. Oh, okay. This is a humanitarian force. Like, they're out to save humanity, but mm -hmm. they do it by killing people. I don't think they ever actually answered the why of that except perhaps with Copley's attempt to say they save people who would become people who save the world that's, which you, that's which, as much as we get yeah which you can only know if you're God right and if you if you know well, some well what what did or if you're Doctor Who and <laughs> what no what did what did uh, Andy say? I was once worshipped as a god. <laughs> yes, of course. So there's some cover there. There's some cover there. <clears throat> you praying to God? <laughs> I was once worshipped as a god. <laughs> like I love that. Those sorts of flair. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be here for those all day, every day. <laughs> well and it introduces perspective and um you know the more you see the more you experience the longer you're around um the wiser you get and and in some ways the the more dispassionate you get because you've seen it you've seen it all you know what happens The proverbial you, not yeah, not you. <laughs> Although sometimes it feels like you always know what's going to happen. I also am always just as smiling and happy as Andy. <laughs> yep. You know, like I had, I had a very wise woman tell me that you will stop smiling when you know as much as you need to know. And she told me, RJ, I don't, I don't think you're going to smile a lot as an adult, sweetie. You're my grandmother. Yeah, man. I don't know. My kids make you smile every day. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. And your big silly cat. <laughs> yeah. But maybe that's what it is. It's 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 a it's a purer form of existence or a more innocent a more innocent way of navigating the world that if we get to witness, you know, we can remember. And then you know. Cause that's the cool part. Very much so. Very much so. Well, uh, I think that's a podcast, man. Um, All right. This was fun. Yeah, man. That is uh, Laurel Williamson. Follow her on Twitter 
at no don't queen i don't i don't i don't have anything cool to say on twitter ever okay sorry no it's cool uh then i just (laughs) i just won't tell anybody where to follow you on twitter um she will be sporadic on the podcast talking movies and other stuff um thanks babe thank you all right rate subscribe review Tell me how much you hate the R.G. Young Show podcast being all over the map because we do sports, we do books, we do movies, we do whatever the hell I want to do because it's my podcast. Goodbye. You know what we should – hey. Oh. Yeah, what? I was going to say, next time, I want to talk about sex. I don't want to talk about sex. <laughs> <laughs> no. To be continued.